Hello, everybody, and thank you for coming to Coffee Talk. We really appreciate you all being here today, and we hope you enjoy our half an hour to 45 minutes together. I'm very, very excited for Coffee Talk. As you know, we started this, um, and it's been less than a year, and it's been really successful, and um, we are we, we could spend just a day on just an L visa, or we could just spend a day on the H-1B regulations, or we could spend just a day on any immigration policy. Coffee Talk is about you know speaking clearly and bringing up some highlights so everyone can go on with their day with these thoughts in mind. Um, we do this every eight to 10 weeks. Uh, we have next time, um, we're also going to be specific about U.S. consular processes and policies abroad. But this time, we're going to talk a little bit about what we think um, about the um, president-elect and what will happen with our current president with some of the immigration policies, specifically uh, abroad with the visas and here with the H-1Bs. And we're very, very lucky because we have like, of course, our um, Marcella Bermudez, who is an exceptional immigration partner for Greenspoon Martyr, and also Genevieve Douglas, who is an incredible Bloomberg Law reporter who knows immigration inside and out. And like, um, it's just the fact. <laughs> so we have a legal perspective and we have a reporter's perspective, um, both extraordinary panelists, both we are just honored to have today. So thank you very much. So let's start with what do you think, Marcel, is going to happen um, once President-elect Biden gets sworn in January 20th? Okay, so everyone is, um, welcome everyone, first of all, good morning. Um, so everyone is definitely bracing themselves. Um, they want to see changes. There's been, uh, under the Trump administration, there's been sweeping changes in immigration. Um, a lot of the travel bans, uh, the health-related bans, the economy-driven bans. Um, so I think the first, one of the first things that we're looking at is what is he going to do with the bans? Um, it's one of the, the issues that has really affected our clients with regard to travel, um, business and family. Um, there isn't any, no, no one's left uh, unscathed <laughs> in regard to the bans. Everyone's affected in one way or another. Um, so with regard to the bans, uh, let's just, it, it's unintentionally, the bans have been a topic of conversation for our coffee talks. Um, it wasn't imagined that way, but it just so happens to be such a big uh, issue that affects our, our clients so, so deeply that we do touch upon it often. So let's clarify something on the bans. Um, some bans have end, end dates that uh, when, they, when they came into uh, fruition with the proclamations, they had end dates established. Others didn't. Um, so one of the first ones is the Muslim ban. Uh, the Muslim ban, we do think he'll, he'll probably jump on that one first um, because uh, actually when we were prepping for this, um, Patsy and I were talking, I was like, why was it that it was passed again? <laughs> and we know it's, it's terrorist. It's, we, know what the, we know what the reasoning was, but we've had it since 2017 um, where, where the real harm or not. So I think he's going to act on that first. Um, then we're, we're going to look at, at the COVID Bans. One thing that's important to, to know with the COVID is there is no end date on them. There is no expiration. It's uh, the way it was phrased is until the president decides otherwise. Um, so Biden will, and he started already, um, to convene with his health officials to start getting information because it has to be based on some kind of logic. 
So he would be listening to the health officials to determine what to be done with the, the COVID travel bans. As you know, um, we have COVID bans, but we also have exceptions. So it's not a blanket restriction. They are becoming harder to obtain just because of timeframes. Consulates are starting to close, having more intermittent services because of COVID, COVID in Europe. Um, numbers are spiked, have spiked significantly. Um, we just saw, I think yesterday was on there, a lot of other lockdowns coming um, and it will affect the consulates. That's where they are. It, it will definitely affect them. Um, so we're, we're looking to see what happens with those bans. Um, in terms of the labor market bans, um, I, they, they are set to sunset December 31st. When I say the labor market bans, we're talking about Marcella, the restrictions. As mm -hmm. to the COVID bans, um... It seems like Biden's taking a pretty serious view on COVID, right? So yes. I don't think they're going to go away. What do you think? And what yes. do you think? I don't, I don't think it's going to be, I've just be, been elected January 20th, they're gone. I think they will definitely, especially with numbers, it's going to have a direct correlation with COVID numbers. Genevieve, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think when it comes to, um, you know, the bans from, you know, Schengen area and, um, and other, you know, country specific COVID concerns, I think we're really looking at like game time decisions, unfortunately. Um, I agree with Marcel. I don't think that they're automatically going to go away um, with a change in administration. Uh, that being said, I, I can't specifically recall, but what were the COVID specific bans under the 212F authority, uh, national mm -hmm. security or economic security? National. Uh, national security. Okay. Cause that there is, um, kind of a, a difference of opinion, I guess, mm -hmm. on the, the use of 212F authority uh, for some of the labor market bans, right. for instance, like you mentioned, um, where, where economic security is, is, is the authority under which the president mm -hmm. has made those decisions. Um, when it comes to the national security uh, authority, you know, that, that's likely to stick much more, as we saw with the litigation over the Muslim ban. Um, mm -hmm. So I definitely think that COVID is so ever-changing and yeah. as we're seeing a second surge, there could be um, certain certain bans kept in place, or, or um, and as you mentioned, you know, with consulate action, they've been severely um, inhibited. I guess, and mm -hmm. my understanding is that they're not processing a lot of requests. They're not processing a lot of visas. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, so, we've seen with those national interest exemptions, there's been they delay it so often that some people miss that opportunity. Mm, um, mm -hmm. So they have to do the 14 days outside. Sure. Um, they, they go from responding right away to mm -hmm. silence for weeks and then they get their back on. So is that an indication of COVID in their offices or is that an indication of, of backlogs? We're hitting the holidays as well. Right. It's, it's, so it's, it's a practical, a so Marcel, it's a practical matter. The national interest waivers are either delayed or are more cumbersome to obtain. Yeah, there, there definitely takes much more coordination. Uh, the travelers have to have a lot of flexibility. Uh, know that it, it might not be very, very almost pretty sure it's not going to be a two week, three week, maybe it's a four week trip, five week trip by the time the consulates respond because their business days of response have now become extended. And that's where, our, that's where a lot of the problem comes from. Okay, sorry to interrupt, so keep going, because, you know, it's coffee talk, I have to Oh, interrupt. no, let's back, let's go back. <laughs> we were just talking about the H's with regard to, to the economic ban. So they, there's the sunset December 31st. Um, and the L's. And, and the L's, mm -hmm. the H, and the immigrant visas, which was a huge, um, that was a huge 
probably one of the largest effects was the, the, the limitation of issuing immigrant visas. So you had a lot of family-based uh, folks who couldn't come in at all. Uh, what that did is it allocated the numbers for family-based to the employment-based. It's in the regulation that if it goes from one year to the next, they can move the numbers over. So that was, that was, pretty, that was pretty, pretty large. So what will happen is, um, what will happen is if, if that is still in place, if it's extended by Trump, if it's not, then it, it just dies on its own. Um, or what will he do with it? What, what logical basis does he have for restricting certain L's um, when L's or E's they bring in, well, E's aren't blocked, but when L's bring in business, they're new startups, they're, they're continuing business. From what I've seen with the, uh, with the Trump administration in these, um, you know, the April and June proclamations, I, I think we're likely to see those extend till probably January. I mean, I, I would be surprised if those were allowed to sunset on the 31st mm -hmm. as planned. I think that the Trump administration and its, you know, lame duck time period um, will likely keep those in place uh, until you know, an inauguration um, yeah. would be would be my prediction. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot. So that's the other thing is what can he do in 11 weeks? It's a mm -hmm. lot he can do in, in Trump years. <laughs> there's a lot. We're expecting he's going to leave as much as he can in place. Some of them may have a nexus uh, to, to reality. Some might not. <laughs> well, it seems that um, clearly, I mean, Clearly, Biden is very interested in, as you know, every sovereign uh, defines itself in many respects through its immigration policies and its citizenship laws. So uh, the United States is no exception through, through, through itself as a sovereign, how they, how they do that and how they believe in how they handle asylees and refugees, just like mm -hmm. other sovereigns struggle with the same idea. So... Um, I think you're going to see some movement in DACA, uh, detention, oh, yeah. uh, detention mm -hmm. children. That will, you know, immigration, as much as we're all in immigration and we're, uh, our foreign nationals are very concerned about their time period here. Immigration is not just business immigration. It is asylees. It is DACA. It is detention. It is refugees. It is border control. It is a lot of things that mm -hmm. we don't always bring up and focus on for this right. Um, so I think that is also one of the um, pivotal points of change that I, I don't think the wall is going to be opened up, but I don't think we're going to see s such rhetoric of mm -hmm. governing that uh, tensions with our neighbors that way. Yeah, I mean, Do mm -hmm. DACA was one of Biden's projects with the Obama administration, so he will definitely seek to um, put it back on track, um, re reverse the rescission and set a path them for for a green card well they call it citizenship but you have to get to the green card first <laughs> so so that's probably one of something on on his uh, on his list as well daca tps mm -hmm. we're looking at tps and i think um biden's kind of path on daca is a little bit more um straightforward in the sense that you know what we have in place is the court order to return the program to its um you know, status before the Trump administration moved to terminate DACA. And then instead of doing that, what the Trump administration did was pass this July 28th memo that kind of rescinded and replaced the program with uh, shorter renewal timeframes, um, with, you know, constraints on advanced parole uh, and other ways to kind of 
narrow, you know, not accepting any new applicants. Um, but that was all done through policy memorandum by, uh, by DHS leadership. And so I think because we have kind of less of a regulatory, um, uh, I think because there's less of a regulatory uh, barrier for lack of a better word there with the DACA program specifically, I think that that is certainly one area where uh, a president-elect Biden could, could act swiftly and, mm -hmm. and change would happen swiftly. Yes, yes, <laughs> um, yes. And it's one, and it's in Todd's list, it's one of the important projects he has for sure, mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think in, in getting back to TPS, it's very important just for a second to just point out that's very important for, you know, we have a lot of food supply industries and we have a lot of, you know, bakeries and who makes the bread and who makes the yogurt and who makes the grain and who makes the yeast and who makes all these supply chains. And we also have, you know, they feed into bigger organizations. Mm -hmm. And so TPS is really important because there are a lot of these manufacturing areas um, and food supply areas really do rely on a legal staff of TPS over the many years TPS has been there. So, I mean, one could make the argument that the government either has to act sooner, but when you have someone here for 15 years, their whole family, you know, mm -hmm. they got to figure this out because, you yeah. know, I mean, some of them are eligible for pensions at their company. <laughs> you know, that's how long they've been here. You know? So I think that, you know, which leads us to um, a question I have for both of you, um, the backlog Oof, how are they going to divide up those resources, do you think, Biden? There is an absolute backlog. And as we all know, with the increased fees, uh, Department of Homeland Security is facing a budget crisis once again. So how are they going to allocate those resources and where I think will be interesting for people who want to move things along here? What, yeah, what you... I, I mean, I think a lot of their resources have also been consumed just by the informal directives they've gotten, uh, increased denials, RFEs, um, delays with a lot of things, just putting it, yeah, naturalization, naturalization has never taken this long. Mm -hmm. um, with, with all their leaving, they, I think they were leaving space for all the, a lot of proposals to come in um, and, and Biden sometimes. So I think they could probably do a little bit more efficiently without so many unpublished directives. Um, that we know they've gotten, um, but but definitely they are going to have to revisit um, probably the fee increase. Maybe not in what we saw that that's enjoined. Um, that's not yet. Uh, premium processing has, but that's not um, the other fees. The increases, some of them were a little astronomical, especially when you look at naturalization. So I think um, I, I don't think we're. Gonna, I, I think there's going to be changes. Not not all of them necessarily are things we're going to like, but some we, we there might not be a choice to them. Well, I know, um, you know, the, the premium processing increase was, uh, you know, something that was championed by Democrats and Republicans in, in Congress to both, uh, you know, and, and that was kind of their solution to help mitigate some of the uh, USCIS uh, fiscal challenges that that agency has experienced this year. Um, and, but I, I, I'm not clear, I haven't, in, in, and to be fair, the visa bulletin is 
sometimes a different language to me, (laughs) (laughs) but it's kind of yet to be seen still, right? How many, um, you know, family-based green cards could potentially, uh, uh, transition or kind of roll over to a uh, employment-based, you know, green card availability, right? Am I, and please correct me if I'm just Sorry, speaking not. out of hand. So are, are, are you asking how the family members moved into employment or? Mute. Oh, you're on mute, Genevieve. I am so sorry about that. <laughs> I we promised myself to read I wouldn't lips. make that mistake. I think some of the uh, <laughs> participants were, were reading it. They probably knew what you were going. Um, Marcel, do you want to explain what the visa bulletin is? Or Okay, so the visa bulletin, and, and I think what you're saying is, you you, you know, the, the so we, we have the visa bulletin, tells us what's the order, the queue. There's limited numbers mm-hmm. of visas that can be given for categories. Or lawful um, so permanent the, residency. Right, for, right green for, for green cards. They, they separate the family and the employment. Um, and we, we've always had, uh, we've always seen it as one bulletin. Um, now what we have is USCIS making a determination which of the two, now there's two charts, filing date, final action dates, which one we can use. Um, so that's the one that we've been monitoring. We had a huge rush in October to file because uh, a lot of numbers became current for filing dates, not final action dates. Final action dates is, is you can get the green card right away. Filing actions, you can file for your green card and wait. Um, we were expecting- Oh, and I just to- want to clarify, um, right away in immigration terms, as opposed to New York terms. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, 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 right away will be a year or two. Yeah. But the, the, at least they're in the queue, like I see that the, end, the end's in sight uh, around the corner. <laughs> so, um, so, so we, we expected them to retrogress significantly. Um, they didn't for November, fortunately, but they did something they've never done. They released that visa bulletin so close to the wire that had they retrogressed, they wouldn't get an opportunity for anybody um, to take immediate action. Um, so they reached the visa bulletin very late. Um, I don't hope that's not gonna be a pattern they start uh, exercising, but I didn't think there was a shift with the numbers. I, I think it didn't retrogress um, or didn't move. The dates kind of stayed, a lot of them were where they were. Um, and I think a lot has to do okay. with the immigrant visas not being used. The ban on the immigrant okay. visas is huge. A lot of folks didn't get their visas and families separated because it really affected yeah. family. Uh, employment had, had a workaround. They, don't, they can adjust here as long as they have a visa here. Just, just as to the green card, I just wanna bring this up since we're on the topic of green cards and we'll go back to the L's but, uh, and, the, you know, and the bans and the travel bans. But just to bring that up, one of the bans did not allow for immigrant, for green card if you were processed processing at the U.S. consulate as opposed to being here in the United States and filing for your green card. What do you think will happen? Will they start allowing the families to go forward even though they're outside the United States? No, I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be an immediate. I don't think out of the bans, the one I think that will be the first to go would be what we call, it's not a Muslim ban because uh, after its various iterations, it threw in Venezuela and North Korea. <laughs> See? <laughs> To, to, to kind of survive. So I, I think one of the first that we'll see an immediate effect will, will be what we call the Muslim ban. Um, the other ones with travel, um, with family-based, I, I don't think it's going to be... He, there's a lot for him to go through, and he has to prioritize and pick and choose where the priorities lie. Um, and that won't, won't, probably won't be it. That he has to see where COVID's going. He still needs to get a lot of feedback in terms of data with COVID. 
Um, so that's something that's going to continue in until when we don't know, maybe summer. Um, that's, that's left to be seen. I, I agree with that. What do you think, Genevieve? No, I, I do. I agree as well. I think that um, the Biden administration uh, or, you know, the transition team plan um, on their campaign site was was pretty clear about their first hundred days in office and in the Muslim ban is is at the top of that list. Um, and then we see a lot of um, changes in asylum processes and procedures um, that kind of top that list. So I think when we're when we're looking at the travel ban section of, of immigration, that that's really going to be uh, the president elect's priority mm -hmm. um, yeah. in those first hundred days. Yeah, and and, the, and then asylum, right? Which mm -hmm. he's doing yep. at the border with the, with the families and and all of these, how he's changed the asylum process, um, just by <laughs> yeah. it's incredible. I mean, I mean it's virtually ground asylum, to a halt. Mm -hmm. Yes, I mean, essentially, mm -hmm. you come in through Mexico, not if you're Mexican, but you come in through Mexico, you, you can't, even if they let you in, you can still be blocked because you're not supposed mm -hmm. to apply for asylum if you travel through Mexico. Well, a right. lot of these folks have no other way to travel. Correct. You can't get we, on a plane. <laughs> so now, and I just want to address this now that we're talking about, you know, Biden's 100 days, uh, president, um, president elect. Um, if you know, the public charge has always been a very interesting part of our immigration history. Mm -hmm. And now there is a public charge now that we're talking about this, which uh, for those who don't know, for those who are getting a green card, even if you make a million dollars, it is about 15 pages long. And it asks a lot of questions, like a year's worth of bank statements, your taxes, your, um, I mean, health, insurance, uh, you know, property you own, your assets, your liabilities, your credit history, your credit score. I mean, it's a lot of information for people who are like, I make $900,000. Well, it's for everyone. Apparently, you could be a public charge. I would like to join you in your public charge, but you know, <laughs> I want to be part of your household. But that said, where are we going with... Um, this public charge, especially when people apply for a green card. Um, where do you think president-elect will be going with this? I'm curious to see because the public charge rule has been, there's been so much back and forth in the courts that mm -hmm. and it has such a kind of a storied history. I mean, even just in the last week and a half, we saw um, a federal district court um, stay the rule and then immediately the seventh court the, next appeal, the seventh circuit court of appeals um you know reverse that decision and i think you know what i find i mean i write for bloomberg law so <laughs> what i find interesting <laughs> um, from a legal perspective is you know the the seventh circuit has already ruled on the on the public charge rule once and now it seems to be going there again and and i think there's, there's a somewhat general consensus that uh, the Supreme Court might um, rule on the public charge rule. And, but what, which would, again, I believe be a second round um, for the high court. But what is really interesting is now um, with the new Justice Barrett, she was part of the Seventh Circuit's decision in that first round. So she would be expected um, to recuse herself from any, um, next round of consideration for the public charge rule. 
And as we know, you know, when it comes to an administration change, places where uh, a Biden elect administration could choose to no longer defend uh, the public charge rule, that would really be determined more so by, by the judge and the court and the parties involved. It's not the most straightforward mm-hmm. kind of reversal of policy if that was what they right. wanted to do. So I think that particular regulation is like, it, it sees even more of a web mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. of unwinding than, than some, of, some of the other regulations that the Trump administration has Yeah, has and, and I think that's a, a lot of his path is gonna be that. It's, some of it's gonna be through action and the other part is gonna be through sit and wait and non-action in terms of injunctions because I, there's been so many in this administration. It's, 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 uh, but this particular 944 one is the one I call the yo-yo regulation. It's up, it's down, it's in, it's out. I feel bad because we were telling our clients, it's out. No, it's in. No, it's out. <laughs> and and <laughs> it's insane. We were preparing for October. The amount of documentation was, was um, such, almost feels like such a violation of, uh, I, look, we already have a, a public charge bound for inadmissibility. This is just a, another addition to the one we already have. We already have one. It's already, they're already viewed for, for possibility or potential becoming inadmissible because they're going to become a public charge. The problem with this one is that it, gives them so much more subjective, um, kind of clouded in objectivity, but it really gives these officers more subjective to say, I think you could become one. Even if you make 200,000, I think you could become one maybe when you're, I don't know, 50, 60 years old, I don't know. It's really, it, it, it has to be, it has to be, something has to be done and cleaned up on that front. Um, I. I, I want to go back just for a second. I know we have Q and A's and, 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 you know, I want to welcome a lot of questions, but I want to go back to the travel bans with the L's and the E, well, with the L's and the H's and, and, and things like that. And I do want to go through the wage, um, um, with the travel ban, um, Marcella and Genevieve, I was hoping, well, I'm thinking, what do you think in light of the fact that we have the highest unemployment in, in, in U.S. history, um, what do you think is going to happen in terms of some of these uh, work visas, especially those who want to come in from abroad to start their jobs on if they got in the H-1B cap and they're approved and they're waiting out, outside and new wells and, you know, business moves. So um, I wonder if, uh, Marcel, you could speak to it and, and, and Genevieve, you can speak to it as well. Go ahead, Marcella. Okay. Um, so in October, we saw the introduction of two um, interim regulations, which will, I mean, they already started to face challenges. The, the big one was the introduction of um, rephasing or, or, or readjusting the percentiles for OES wages, which, uh, so you need them for, if you need them from PERM, green cards, you need them for H-1Bs, uh, anything that has a labor condition application for E3s. Um, so they, they, they re, um, recategorized the percentiles. All the wages went up. Um, it's all based on the same data, but for a lot of occupations, somehow the data is not there anymore. <laughs> so we, we, had, we had tiered wages for a lot of occupations, and now they're just, poof, they're gone. Um, and we're, now we're going to alternative wages. So, 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 that, so you have this one, you have that one, and then you also have the one the introduction of redefining specialty occupation, making sure that there has to be a direct relationship of your degree to the occupation. So, so the um, concept of having, accepting a, a various degrees for a position, it has to be, has to have very, very close tight knit um, relationship. And a lot of it, you, when you start reading what they're promulgating, they're, they're coming from their request for evidence. Um, they're, they're kind of con- 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 
condensing them um, for it to for you to address what they want to see, which would require really regulatory change. What they're doing. Um, and I'm curious, you know, we we have these we have the deal rule that's already gone into effect, the Department of Labor rule that changes these wages, mm -hmm. as Marcella. Mm -hmm. um, but then at the same time, we've also had a, a proposed regulation come out from the Department of Homeland Security that would redo how the H-1B lottery is um, performed so that it would be a wage-based selection process instead of the random lottery. And it seems as if like the combination of these two changes to the H-1B program at least might just um, erase, you know, what, what the program calls entry level um, right. jobs, you know, the, yes, that tier one and tier two wage would tier essentially one and tier go two. away. Exactly. And that's just where the majority, I think of visas where are they sit because you have a lot of, for. Mm -hmm. you have, most of them are, are, a lottery cap is mostly what? College students graduating mm -hmm. to enter right. the industry. They've, they've right. spent four years, seven years, eight years, whatever the time they've in the U.S. getting an education, uh, paying their international rates, and they, get it, they, they apply for an H-1B, but every occupation has an entry level. Every mm -hmm. occupation does. You don't just come in and sit at the president's desk. <laughs> it doesn't happen. So, um, but what they're doing with, that, with the introduction of the lottery is they're trying to bring in this OES. So H's right now, we can do alternative wages and we've been successful. We've done it. It works for now. And, and just to bring in an alternative now. wage means, you know, if you're an F1 student coming in, for example, they impact that the salary has gone up 75 within the 75 percentile. So let's just say a lot. And so basically, if you are a journalist and you have a specified degree and all of a sudden you're Entry level wage should be like two hundred thousand. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I'll take it. <laughs> so that's that's the other thing. Like, so it's like, like uh, not the current entry level wage for a journalist. Well, that's the other. The <laughs> occupations whose data has disappeared. There's no longer. They can't put the percentiles there anymore, or it's not available. Um, you're okay using it as long as you offer. I think two hundred and nine, two hundred and three thousand. Mm -hmm. That that's the entry level wage. Mm -hmm. um, so what they're doing with the lottery is they're bringing in where where alternative wages work. But if you're subject to the lottery, it won't work anymore. I see. Yeah. So it's, 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 let, let's see where that goes. That's, I, I, I can't even visualize how they're going to do it. I mean, you're going to have to disclose what their wages are in the lottery. We're going to have to put in more information in the lottery. They said, if you meet, if we meet the cap, then they'll ask, then they'll, they'll look to the OES wage levels, mm -hmm. prioritizing level four and level three. If you use an alternative wage, they're going to, they're going to compare your alternative wage to the OES levels, which mm -hmm. are always going to be under one essentially. Right. I'm just, um, we have only like 10 minutes. So I'm going to ask just so some, fast. I know it does. And that's the thing with coffee talk. We don't, we could spend just one day on just the L visa, you know, um, or just, just, you know, and, and cause it's so interesting immigration. Um, you know, there's a, a few questions out there. One of them is, do you believe a Biden administration can implement these changes? How quickly? Again, we think of immigration as, well, that should be the first thing on your list, right? <laughs> right next to COVID. I mean, we really feel that way. I mean, like, you know. <laughs> but the truth, uh, sadly, is, um, you know, that's, that's not going to happen. Uh, immigration is never the, the the first thing. I mean, I do think when they do move towards immigration, it's really, I mean, there are people who have spoken, like the American public, on detention of the children. 
Like that is a mm -hmm. huge issue for this administration, um, for the new administration, just like it was with the last administration. I mean, the American public is, has shown a very, very, um, they, they don't want children detained, you mm -hmm. know? I mean, so I think that'll be the first step. So when it comes to work visas, we'll get there. Yeah. The rep be there. Um, so I think they're moving towards a more, you know, we know who, we know who president elect is because, you know, he was the VP under um, Obama for two terms. So we, we do have an, an idea of where he's going, do you know? Right. Um, and then uh, there's some other questions, Marcella, do you want to take them or? Um... Um, I was just looking to see what other questions we might have. Um, but definitely the one on the children, I, I think that's going to be, I mean, these children have been held, they, there's 545, I think, for the last count, right, that they couldn't, haven't been able to match. Um, they've right. gone against the agreements and settlements they've had with the Flores to not detain children indefinitely, and they have. There are certain conditions they're supposed to be in, and they're not. Um, it's the most heart-wrenching part of this whole, of all these changes, and, and I don't know. It's, I, it's even hard to talk about. It's terrible. Um, a lot of people are wondering, you know, do I get my visa abroad? What do I do? You know, obviously, if you're in the United States, we don't know where COVID's going, you know. So also, are you subject to the quarantine? Are you not subject to the quarantine? You know, um, you know, basically, you know, you do what you can. You file here. You hope there's an opening at the U.S. Council that does not get canceled because you want to protect yourself and continue to work here. Although with COVID, there are a lot of people who just choose to work abroad, wait for an opening and be with their family wherever or whatever country they have. But you'd have to really um, look into what your personal situation is and realize that it's still a very fluid situation. I mean, even if they say Pfizer has come up with a solution or, ha or may have a vaccine, or I heard little headlines this morning, that doesn't mean that, okay, ooh, CVS, you know, <laughs> it's still going to take a while <laughs> to right. come. And also they said they had some safety concerns that they haven't disclosed. I don't know if the participants have a second head. I don't know. You know? We just right. have to wait and see what yeah. that all means. Um, the, go ahead. Actually, Sorry. There, yeah, there's a, I'm just going through a question. And, and there was one of the changes that also happened with the administration is there was a reciprocity changes on, on visas on how long the visas are, are, are valid for. Um, how long the E2s, a lot of E2s were reduced um, for various countries, um, validities for ELs. Uh, so the, the reciprocity schedule is something that's kind of done, it's reciprocal, um, depending on, we, we treat you as you treat us. That's the way the, the, the kind of, um, called tip for tap, it's reciprocity is what it is. Um, so will, will that necessarily change? I, I, don't, I don't think so. It's something that gets revisited often. Um, so it, it, it is something that it, Actually, if you even go onto on CF website and you look up reciprocity, you'll see how often it changes. It's just not always uh, broadly announced, but it changes all the time. Reciprocity changes are one of the things that always come through. We just don't always announce. It's not always announced so publicly, but it's, it's constantly in flux. Um, but with regard to renewing your visas, um, so here we have one that's needed in April, uh, recommending or waiting, uh, waiting to apply for Bi under Biden administration. It, I don't think it's going to make a difference whether you, you, you delay it or not. The only thing that will have a difference is uh, the travel ban. Um, what country you're going to, where you're applying, Schengen country, coming back, you're subject to the, to the travel ban. And if you're subject to the COVID travel ban and you need a national interest exemption, make sure you can stay comfortably in country for 
we don't know how many weeks. It could be four or five weeks. We even saw one country that was posting a 60-day response time on a national interest exemption. That's the longest one we've seen. And that's a bit insane. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what it is. And also, just um, just write really, really quickly, when people have an unexpired visa in their passport, they travel abroad, they travel back, just, just to be clear, you know, um, you just look to see if you're coming back from a travel ban country and if you have to quarantine. Um, so, you know, some people, you know, they're not from travel ban countries and they have an unexpired visa, they just have to check to make sure that, you know, nothing's changed and also look to the country you're going to, you know, we have Australians who are not part of the travel ban, but in Australia, when you go back, you have to be quarantined for 14 days. And that includes hotels won't even bring you a FedEx. So if you're expecting some documents that you need, you have to, you have to time this, you have to time this. Right. And keep in mind, if you can't get a national insurance exemption, the world, the easiest workaround is go, you stay in another country of 14 days. It, it's easier said than done. If you're the subject cost, to the quarantine, if you're subject, if you're subject to the, to the COVID travel ban, if you're from some Schengen countries, UK, Ireland, um, easier said than done. 14 days is a lot. It comes with a cost. Um, but that's the backup plan. Right. Um, and getting a visa doesn't mean you get to waltz back into the U.S. It depends, mm -hmm. you know, it depends. If you're coming from a travel ban country, there are exemptions. If you have a U.S. family, you have a U.S. kid, you know, people bring Junior with them. <laughs> They're like, hello, Junior, look, you're traveling. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> it's really um, the pandemic of it all. I mean, yeah. That's, yeah. The, the the takeaway, like, from, from a, you know, journalists right now are really having to learn that we can't, we can't predict things or, or, you know, even cover policy and regulatory changes in the same way that we always have, because things are changing so quickly that every time, you know, we go to write a story, it's almost like something different by the time of publication. It's, and I think, and that's going to be the, 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 the top level when we talk about, you know, potential immigration changes is that there's so many other competing, you know, interests or competing um, needs across the spectrum. So no. yeah, just pay attention to those COVID numbers. Um, it's really- yeah. I, I really wanna be able to tell you guys um, that we are we have two minutes left and i think everyone probably wants to take the opportunity to thank our participants for being here today especially our really impressive guests marcella bermudez and genevieve juglas um, very impressive i'm very happy that you guys were able to be with us today we really really appreciate it and um i just you know i'm sure you guys want to be able to say goodbye as well in the last 30 seconds mm -hmm. so go ahead genevieve and marcella I just wanted to thank you both so much for having me. This was, you know, journalists always, we ask a lot of questions. Um, we don't have to answer a lot of questions <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, turning this on the other, on the other foot is, is fun. And, um, you know, just it's something I don't get to do a lot of. And so I really just really appreciate the opportunity and I've so enjoyed chatting with you both. This has been wonderful. Yeah. Well, you brought a lot of good point of view to our participants, Marcella. Yeah, thank you all for joining us again, and and we enjoy uh, being able to do this and and kind of go. This was a this was a really uh, um, all of them have been enjoyable, but this one was really a, a good one to prep for. Um, it, I, I know one of the questions was what what are our foreign nationals thinking with the administration change? Nothing is magical. It's not going to be anything that's going to be overnight. There's a lot of uh, with every presidency and every every transition. 
There's going to be some things that happen uh, quicker than others. Um, not everything has to be changed. Um, there's a foundation for, for, for some of them. Um, but, but I guess it's, what's, what's comforting is there's some of, the, some of the policies that have been the most hurtful ones are the ones that we're, we're concerned about. Um, the border with the children is huge. Um, and, and the bans might be needed, but the revisions were, were necessary as well, right? So step-by-step, step, we'll get there. <laughs> thank you. Thank you all very, very much. We really appreciate everyone coming, and we hope to do this again. Coffee Talk every eight to nine weeks. The next one will be more in-depth on travel bans, and I hope that you can join us again, Genevieve. <laughs>